Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. Yes, and as usual, we like to take time at the end of every podcast to answer questions. Uh, Although today it's a little sad because apparently, or I guess it's actually a great note for you and I, Evan. We did a great job discussing last week and answering questions even without them being asked. And so we're reading a pretty, you know, good part of the reading plan this last week. So we didn't have any questions come in, which is, you know, a little sad and disappointing because we like the Q&A portion, but it just means we're doing our job. So uh, moving forward, if there are questions or you're just trying to stump us now, uh, feel free to send in those questions at info at grove.church. Shoot us an email with those questions, or you can jump on our uh, Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State. We have a campus in Marysville, and it's in Homish, even though we're meeting together as a drive-in church until these phases continue to progress. Uh, but you can give us a like on Facebook, and you can also direct message us via our Facebook page with any questions that pop up. And we look forward to those if you have them. Absolutely. Uh, Today, our resources are, as always, the ESV Study Bible, the Logos Bible software, super helpful. And then we're also using, uh, I feel like we can almost put these into the as usual as well. But anytime we're dealing with the... Especially New Testament, the last resource, but... Oh yeah. Well, anytime we're dealing with the, the New essence Testament, of anything for Evan. it's the, the essence of the New Testament, uh, a survey by Elmer L. Towns and Ben Gutierrez and Good job a, with that. the New Testament in its world by N.T. Wright and Michael F. Bird. Which is a phenomenal book. If you're in Bible school and you're not using that, you should still download it or oh, buy yeah. it and use it. So It's basically just... Uh, We've geeked out with it a little bit. It's a New Testament survey just like on steroids. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. So It's, it's bigger re- than my New Testament survey classes, books that we had to have. Oh yeah. My textbook is like... 250, 300 pages. And then I, I that, one's, like on a, the di- and on that the one's like a thousand. <laughs> I think it's pretty, it's yeah. a, it's a thick boy for sure. So, uh, check it out. But today we're doing it's about 900 pages of solid content, then all the extra bibliographies and stuff gotcha. like that, but it's a phenomenal book. Um, NT writes a great, a great writer. So absolutely. Hashtag shout out. Uh, so today we're going to be in the book of Galatians. Galatians so yes. it's going to be, yeah, this is actually, um, it's, it's fun because it's such a short book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to actually just kind of like, like even in leading up to it, like, you know, reading through it and then being able to like kind of fold, not fully, but like really being able to dig deep as opposed to like, you know, if we were doing a book like Isaiah um, oh, or like man. Leviticus, we did earlier where you really don't have time in a to week dive into to anything. like climb into it. So uh, yeah, this is well, been- I guess technically we do have time, but the problem is it'd be hours, it'd not be- just an hour-ish. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a long so time. This one won't be an hour. This one will probably be I don't know. I'm gonna ballpark thirty six minutes and thirty seconds. Thirty six minutes. All right. Right now we're at two fifty. So okay. we'll see we'll see where we land. Uh, so to introduce the book, though, it was written by Paul to the churches in the region of Galatia. Uh, Galatia is kind of um, in central Turkey. You I guess is funny. Where... I say Galatia. You Galatia. Say Galatia. It probably is Galatia. Now I think about it's it. It's okay. I'm we'll just gonna go with your version. I'm gonna go, go with my version. I'm gonna go live pivot tomato, right now. Tomato. Tomato. Galatia is is. Uh, is located in what is uh, central Turkey. Um, ironic, I didn't know this. It was named after the Gauls who settled there. So, mm-hmm. um, and then if you don't know the Gauls, it's basically I remember like, that from Bible college, but there you I go. didn't know it yeah. until you just reminded me of it. The, uh, the like the barbarian tribes mm-hmm. in in France, uh, the, a bunch of them came over, settled into that region of Turkey. So that's why it was called that. And then later on, uh, it was incorporated into Rome. So there you go. A uh, little, little history on the region. Um, it was probably written uh, in AD 48 to 50, 
Um, really, we have about a six-year window. The people who date it latest say it's about 8056. The people who date it earliest say it's about 8048. 80, and let's be honest. For most of us listening to the podcast, that doesn't really matter to us. Doesn't but we want to do our due justice with the book. So that's why If you're interested in the dates. Then we're checking that box for you. Essentially, the only argument is whether like you Kevin. think – well, that's, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> the only argument is whether you think it was written – after Paul's first missionary journey or after his second. So I would say the first, we don't need to get into all the reasons for that, but if you're interested, send in a question, we can talk about it, but it's yeah. not like, it's not super duper You would make Evan's day. Uh, and then, yeah, so here we go. A little bit of history into, into what's going on. So Paul is writing into these churches that him and, so him and, him and Barnabas go through and we get that in Acts. I don't remember the chapters, but they go through the region of, region of Galatia and mm-hmm. that's like... Um, the other Antioch, that's not the Antioch in Syria, um, Iconium, uh, I forgot the third city, but there's like a couple big cities in Galatia that they're, that they're going through and they go on their way. And then he hears that there's this whole group of Galatian, uh, Galatian Christians who are telling the new Gentile Christians that they need to, um, essentially convert to Judaism. Yep. So there's like circumcised physically, all the yep, men hold um, to the dietary laws, yep. like all these different things. And so. What I thought was interesting about this, and I didn't know this until I read, um, and this is the in the the New Testament in its world by N.T. Wright, but there was actually um, political pressure for this as well. So the theological pressure is basically saying, you know, as were the early Christians did not view themselves as a separate religion as Judaism. Mm-hmm. They they viewed themselves as Jews, and so there is this theological pressure of, well, you have to be a Jew though, in order to, to be a part of this, you can't just be a not, you can't be a Gentile mm-hmm. and then also be a part of this. And so, and, and, you know, a lot, a lot of times they get grief. I get it. Like it's been a couple thousand years where like, so it, it is like, it's, it's, it's hard to expect people to all of a sudden pivot right yeah. there. And so I, 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 I get where they're coming from on that. Yeah. It's history and tradition that they're wrestling with. And this is where faith in Christ and him as the Messiah is colliding with what they've learned and known. I mean, I think throughout church history, we can, I mean, if I had more time to think about this statement, I think I, we could identify, but there are different moments throughout church history where the same kind of pivot has had to happen uh, with the way that truth and faith collide with the current traditions of a, of a system and a format right. of belief. Well, and you even see it with um, with Peter's vision. It's a little mm-hmm. bit off off track, but you know, when, at first when um, God says, take and eat, Peter's like, whoa, <laughs> nice try. I've never done anything on trying to in trick, my life. Trying to trick me, but yeah, it's it's just a weird, it's a weird pivot for that culture. Yeah. Um, but it's the other a, and thing- And it's a hard one. It's not easy. It's hard. Right. The the other thing, which I didn't really know that much about was, because um, I'd heard it in passing, but I never kind of connected the dots, is that in when you were conquered by the Roman Empire, you were expected to take place in the, the worship cults. And so you would worship the emperor- um, and you would worship the Roman gods, which mm-hmm. for most cultures is fine. Like, you know, say like you're in Greece and you're like, okay, fine. Yeah, we'll just add another god into the the gods that we sacrifice to, whatever. whatever. Um, doesn't work in Christianity, guys. Yeah, for the Jews, because um, this is taking place before Jesus. Um, for the Jews, it was obviously a big deal. And so they had special permission. And I, I believe when I was looking into it, they were the only class of people. I think you're right. Who were allowed um, to pray for the emperor but not pray to the emperor. And so they still had to offer prayers for the health of the emperor and for mm-hmm. the health of the empire and stuff like that, but they didn't have to pray directly to him. They could pray yeah. to God for him. Um, Which is a big deal. Yeah, it is a huge deal. Um, but this is where I say the political pressure comes in because all of a sudden there's this new group of people who from the outside don't seem like Jews, even though they may view themselves as Jews. And they're claiming the same exemption. They're saying that they don't have to pray um, to the emperor, but just like the Jews, they can pray for the emperor and, and that's the whole thing. And so um, what I think is N.T. Wright is saying in, in the book is that 
there's this pressure kind of from both sides mm-hmm. on on the Gentile Christians to where, well, hey, like you're going to screw this up for us if you guys are all of a sudden a new religion and the Romans are just going to take this whole thing away. And then there's also this pressure of you need to be like us. So that's what that's what Paul is writing yeah, into. That's what's going on. That's what he caught wind of. And that's why he's writing the book he is. Yep. I think N.T. Wright calls it the, like the angry uh, you know, cousin or stepbrother or whatever to the the other epistles. The Romans. Um, <laughs> to Romans. The Romans, the book of Romans, So, uh, which is just hilarious. Well, it is funny because they deal with really similar themes, mm-hmm. but you can tell in Galatians, Paul is heated. Yeah, and Paul is frustrated. And in Romans, he's kind of just like, let me tell you about the gospel. So there is a let little bit of a- break it down for you. There's Galatians, a little bit of a difference he's there. He's raging. So there you go. Um, and then as far as, so we're just going to dive into it from there because I yeah. think that kind of opens it up. Um, as far as the breakdown, we're going to use the one that we found in the Townsend Gutierrez book just because it's a little bit easier for podcast form. I think he just likes to say Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Um, but yeah, because there's three sections in that one. There's like nine sections in the NT right one. So it's like for podcasts, we're going to hit three sections. It's going to be great. But there's the personal section, which is chapters one and two, the doctrinal section, which is chapters three and four, and then the practical section, uh, which is chapters five and six. Five and six. So, and that's it. The book is only six chapters long. You could probably read it in 30 minutes or so, 40 minutes. Oh yeah. Short reading. Depending read. on how fast you are, of a reader you are. So there you go. Um, Paul mm-hmm. opens his letters like so many others uh, with the greeting, grace and peace. Um, and here's one thing I didn't know. Um, I have Evan's notes. I didn't know this either. So so yeah, it was I, it was really interesting. I, 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 when, I was, new. when I was reading it, um, grace is the traditional Greek greeting. So like grace to you. Um, and then peace was the traditional Hebrew greeting, which is a lot more famous because you know, Shalom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, that's kind of just like you, you can even hear that today a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so when Paul is saying grace and peace to you, he's using both the traditional Greek and Hebrew greetings, which fits with what he's talking about. Right. Because really what yeah, he's makes total sense. Yeah. What the letter is about is this coming together of these two cultures that are very different. Um, but now they're merged, which is kind yeah. of what um, I don't, I, I was going to say that's what Christianity is all about, which is not true. Christianity is all about Jesus, but that's one of the beautiful side effects of Christianity is that it's yeah. um, like, even in the revelation passage where you see every tribe, every nation, mm-hmm. um, every tongue will confess. Like that's kind of the picture that's happening. And right now in Galatia, um, it's, it's, it's not happening for the first time, but it's happening probably one of the first major times because most of the other places that the gospel had spread to before this were in Israel. So it's majority Jews. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't having to wrestle through this. Whereas Galatia is, is much more cosmopolitan. Um, and so you have a lot of Greeks, you have a lot of Jews, you even have a lot of like Gauls and all, all these different people groups coming together um, and worshiping. So it is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, so Paul starts his letter that way. And then he just, I'll let Aaron read this part because it's, it's just funny, but he just, verse six, he just gets into it. He's, there's no more, yeah, no more there's niceties. There's no segue. There's no transition. It's just like, hey, good to see you. Great so to goes, to you. And then he says this in verse six, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who you called or who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. That in and of itself is worth, we could preach on that one for a while, but yeah. he continues on verse seven and says, now that there is another, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. When he repeats things, it's worth listening to. And then he says, finally, in verse 10, before uh, we, we take a moment to talk about it, it says, for now, for I am now seeking the approval, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, question mark, or am I trying to please man, question mark. If I, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Yeah. And so we don't know, um, it's, you know, this isn't a book in the sense of like, we don't have 
a clear description of here's what's going on in these churches. But that last line kind of hints at this idea that one of the arguments that um, uh, the Jewish Christians are making against Paul is that, well, he's just trying to please everyone. Mm -hmm. And he just wants, you know, he just wants everyone to be a Christian. So he's taking out all the hard parts, which in fairness, um, like circumcision would suck as an adult. And so there's like, uh, no, thanks. And so, and so when he says like, for am I now seeking the approval of man or for God, he seems like he's answering um, a question that in the letter maybe doesn't seem obvious, but if you're kind of just putting on your thinking glasses, yeah. maybe. Well, and this is something I think Paul does through the majority of his epistles is when he 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 answers questions that he thinks the audience is going to is, is going to argue and push back with. Right. And when I took, a, I think it was a book, a class on Romans, um, I even took a class, you know, that was about, you know, Pauline literature. Um, this was, this was his tendency throughout. This is why sometimes it's hard to read Paul because he pivots so quickly to, to a question because his mind has thought already, this is what the, the audience is going to, because he knows his audience so well. So he asks a question that he knows they would ask and he answers that question. And so, because the whole point of it is he's, he's laying out in a debate format in a simple letter. So there's not debate to push it back. There's not a pushback in a conversation. It's here's the truth. Here's what you need to know. And here's what I know you're going to ask. And here's my answers to those questions. Yeah. That's, that's very, a great It's point. a very Pauline thing. Classic, classic Paul, as we like to say. Uh, and then later on, this is actually pretty unique um, among all of the epistles, but he, mm-hmm. he recounts a confrontation that he had with Peter. Um, and if you're reading through Galatians and you're thinking, Peter, where the heck is Peter? It's it's Cephas. I don't know why, but he just uses... That is Greek. Yeah, the Greek. It's the Greek translation, I believe. Yeah. If I'm... One of them's Aramaic and one of them's Greek. I believe Cephas is the Greek translation. But... Sure. Anywho, point being, it's Peter. Yeah. Uh, and so he says in uh, Galatians 2, 11 through 14, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing any of the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw, uh, when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before all of them, "If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like a Jew?" Hmm. And so, um, really quick side note, one of the reasons you date Galatians early is because he mentions Barnabas there, mm-hmm. which, um, why would he mention Barnabas if this was after his second missionary journey? Cause then they'd be like, well, what about Silas? What does he think about all this? So quick okay. side note there. Um, and I, I just love how it connects back to his whole, like, I'm not, a, I'm not looking for man's approval. And that was the whole point. That was the issue, the confronta- confrontation that existed between Peter and him. Right. He adjusted the way he loved people and sat with people and ate with people because eating a meal with someone is a big deal. But he stopped when when people from the circumcision party, the Jewish people, Jewish followers of Christ would come in, he would stop eating with Gentiles and pivot back, in essence, to his cool group. It's like a cool right. kid in a school cafeteria sitting with the nerd table. And then all of a sudden, not that I'm calling Gentiles nerds, but then when the cool kids came back in, the sports, the jocks, whatever, his normal group, he would leave them to go sit with his with his other right. audience. Well, and in, in, in Jewish culture, it was a, um, a significant thing to sit and eat with people. Mm-hmm. Um, that was... I, I, that's why they said the, the idea of breaking bread together. Right. right? They, they're sharing a meal together. And so I, I do believe that Jews would not um, eat with Gentiles in, in that sense. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I think I remember reading that in, in one of the books when we were, when we were looking. I'm sure it's it. accurate. So um, yeah. So when Peter's doing this and essentially Paul is calling him a hypocrite, yep. um, which is really harsh, but not unwarranted. And so, but it, yeah. And, and that, in that instance specific is true. Yeah. And so, what we what we see here is even the hard 
Peter gets told this directly from from God, right? He has a vision from God. He yeah. knows that this is right. Um, and he's still having a hard time marrying these two things together. He's having a hard time breaking from one culture and into, into a new culture, which is really what Paul um, is writing about in this whole thing. So we can go next up to the doctrinal section um, of the book. And this is where Paul is really making his argument um, from scripture, from theology of why of, of why we believe this um, freedom yeah. in Christ is a, is a big theme in Galatians. And so Paul is going to kind of stick into that as well. Um, but in chapter three, verses one through nine, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing of the faith? Are you foolish? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that those of faith who are sons know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And so it's kind of funny because Paul is using, uh, you know, I guess other than Moses, like the main Jew, I guess you could say, like it's Moses, <laughs> King David, and Abraham. Those are like the big three. Yeah, right. um, and so he, he's using him to kind of talk about... Um, the whole reason for believing this. But what I thought was interesting is, um, so they've received um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is one of those things that in Acts we see as, um, I forgot who, I think it's Peter and the Syrians, or I forgot which house it was. But anyway, um, they go into this people group and they start to, they receive the Holy Spirit and then they kind of go back to Jerusalem and they're like, okay, well, it's like, is, is God allowed to do Isn't that? that the same group of people that he goes to from the, the dream, the vision? Yes. Yep, that's right. So it's the Gentiles that God first calls them. He goes into this house who've been waiting for him. Yep. Um, and they pray They yeah. pray for salvation and the spirit descends. They're yeah, all filled with the Holy Spirit. And, yeah. and then, so yeah, there's this whole miraculous thing happens. And they're like, okay, wait, hold on. But they're not Jews. And yeah. that's when the first kind of the hints Can of it are. even happen? And so, yeah. And so the same thing happens uh, with the, the Galatians mm -hmm. where they're hearing the gospel. Um, they're accepting Christ. And then all of a sudden they're just being filled with the Holy Spirit right then and there. Um and so they're saying, if what Paul is saying basically is like, you received the spirit by faith. Like you, you weren't, you didn't have to become Jews. And then the spirit came, like you believed and then the spirit came. So why now are you, are you going back? Um, and when he says in the flesh, what he's talking about is like, you know, why, why now are you thinking that you have to do all these certain laws that are now, but that, but that in the new covenant are no longer applicable to you. So mm. It's interesting. It's a really difficult conversation that he's having For as sure. well, um, which I think sometimes gets glossed over just because in, in modern American Christianity, this is not a, this is not a controversy at all. Like very, there's yeah, very right. few people are who- Are you circumcised? Are you circumcised? <laughs> yeah, there's, you need to get circumcised. Yeah. There's very few people who are like, well, have you converted to Judaism? But back yeah. then, like this is, this is a it's real a theological personal issue that Paul is working through. And the reality is it's, it's, it's dividing the church. Right. In Galatia, it's dividing the church, this one issue, which is plenty more different, but it is, it just goes to show you, this is such a, a, a not a chaotic, but a, a difficult um, alignment, a difficult acceptance. It's, it's the diversity within the church, which is to be celebrated, but it's two cultures that have been actively at odds for hundreds of years yeah. 
are now learning how Jesus has changed all of that and how now our faith is what's causing us to live in alignment and support and love and care for one another, even if we don't fully see eye to eye on things. Absolutely. Um, in Galatians chapter four, verses eight through 11, uh, Paul also says this, formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be, want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain, which Damn, that's, that's, <laughs> that's quite like, I'm afraid that's I wasted, harsh. did I waste my time when I was preaching to you? Which that's, like you said, that's pretty harsh. Um, but what's interesting here is this, this one seems to be way more directed to the Gentile Christians. And so, cause this isn't really talking about, um, uh, the Jewish things, but it's talking about, you know, when you, when you were enslaved to those by nature who are not gods, it's really talking about like, I, and this is just kind of like, I guess my own reading into it, but I would mm -hmm. assume it's talking about like demonic powers um, or the Greek or the Roman pantheon, like, you know, kind of this, this big, the, the Roman cult that we talked about yeah. in the beginning where you, you worshiped multiple gods, almost every culture at this time, except for the Jews was, was polytheistic. Um, <laughs> well, and I wonder, I, I wonder if there's part of it where, I mean, Paul's whole issue is the fact that they're stepping away from the gospel of Christ into a version of what they determine the gospel. So I wonder if part of Paul's issue with the Gentile audience is that they're yielding to the Jew Jewish you know, audience or whatever, or right. they're, they're not living and standing firm in the truth that is revealed in the gospel of Christ. And, and so I wonder if that's part of his tension and frustration where he's like, I may have, I may have done all this for not because you're not even staying where, where you need to stay and anchor to the gospel. And I say this carefully because I, I didn't, this is just, coming to my head right now. So yeah. I, I could be totally wrong. So if, uh, if I am call me on it, it's fine. Um, but I, well, I, I will, Where's I do wonder, I do wonder if the tension is that some of the Gentile Christians were falling away towards the Jews, but then also some of the Gentile Christians were falling away in the sense of, um, cause we know he writes this in mm -hmm. other letters that Jesus was viewed as one of the pantheon. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'm worshiping Jupiter uh, but yeah, let's throw in Jesus as well. That's cool. And so it's- Oh, I, I guarantee you he's probably calling that out too. Yeah. And so I wonder if like with the Gentile Christians, they're kind of being pulled in these two separate areas. One is towards their own culture again, mm -hmm. and then the other one is towards this other culture. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You, you don't just have the Jewish versus Gentile worlds colliding in, in the Christian faith, but now you have the histories because I'm a product of my history. You're a product of your history. Like, well, not me. But... Oh, you are. Trust me. <laughs> um, we'll talk about that offline. Um, but I think there is some of that to be said because- I mean, you've got a culture that you're living in and have known for so long. Of course, there's going to be turmoil. Of course, there's going to be, well, how does this play out with this? I see it all the time in people who are, who are giving their lives to Christ, but learning what does it actually mean to, to honor him and submit to him as lordship in every aspect of my life. Like it's, it's that continual progressive sanctification, if you will, to use a big word. Um, but it's, I'm saved, but I'm being saved into the likeness of Christ and what that actually plays out to be. So I could totally see that. Yeah. Uh, so moving forward. I was forward, really hoping I was going to call you out, but <laughs> Sorry. Nope, I think you were good. You know, this, this thought's just coming to my head, but I wonder if Paul, um, I was trying to think of something heretical to say as a joke, but then it's like, I can't, I couldn't think of anything that was, you know what I mean? Like Paul agrees with the Gentiles who are adding him to the pantheon. That would have been good. I was trying to think of something that doesn't cross the line, but it's also funny. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a hard thing with heresy. You know, it's hard to be funny with, with it. Uh, you have to be so extreme with it. So that way, cause they don't see your face. They don't like anybody listening. We don't, that's like, I can see it. And I know you're joking. But they can't see us. They was like, are they? Are they preaching? No, we're not preaching heresy. We're 
this is where sarcasm gets in trouble. There you go. So we're going to move on to the practical section. To the practical section. uh, The last two chapters, five and six. So I'll let uh, Aaron read this one. But uh, Paul then begins to talk about, okay, so in the doctrinal section, he's saying that you are free in Christ Mm -hmm. um, because of the finished work of Christ, we're no longer held as Gentiles. Um, and I say we, because I would assume most of our listeners are Gentiles. Um, we're no longer held to um, sections of the Old Testament law. Yeah, we're no longer held Torah. to the ceremonial law. We're no longer held um, to the, the the cleanliness laws, those sort of things. It, it's really just like, it's just the moral law of of God now. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's putting our faith and trust in Jesus. Yeah. And so if we have that freedom, Here's what it means practically. And, and this is one of the things that, that Paul says. Yeah, in chapter five, verses one through six. Uh, and this, is this I think, is a very familiar passage for many of us. We may not know it's from Galatians 5, but we're gonna recognize as soon as I read it. It says this in verse one, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm there and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will, have, will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who have been, would be, sorry, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For though through the spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So there you go. Um, and really his point there, it's it's an interesting point, but he's saying, you know, if if you're going to submit to being circumcised, well, now you have to submit to the whole law because yeah. it doesn't make any sense to submit to like, well, I'll do this one thing. Um, Which is counterproductive because Jesus says, I, I, I fulfilled the law. Right. You're no longer held according to the law. You, I, I fulfilled it. Well, and the, and the other part, I think, and this is really Pauline when you think of... Um, and what I guess what I mean by that phrase is just, it's, it's really consistent with the works of mm-hmm. Paul when you read them is... Um, if you want to be justified through the law, good luck with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and that's kind of like he's saying, like if God God has offered Bold you chance. justification um, by faith through Christ, um, but if you want to try and keep the entire law in its entirely in its entirety and be completely perfect, then hey, I mean that's up to you, man. You you do you. Um, but he says it's not going to work for you. And in fact, the exact thing he says is, is Christ will be of no advantage to you, which is, which is quite a statement. Oh yeah. I mean, you can sense Paul's anger, frustration, and I think even some healthy tension, like guys think through this, what are you doing? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the final section we want to read um, today before we wrap it up. So it'll be a little bit, a little bit of a shorter podcast. We're only at 26 minutes right now. Shoot. We need 10 more minutes of content. There you go. We need to go to an hour. Uh, (laughs) No, 36. I told you 36 and a half. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, in Galatians chapter six, verses one through 10, it's, uh, Paul says this, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast himself will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows it to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap this will re- will from the spirit reap eternal life man i can't read today and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up 
So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Dang, I love that passage. I love just to say, verse nine, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we'll reap if we do not give up. How many times have that verse been used to talk about keep keep forging ahead, keep keep the hard work, keep being diligent. Right. But in the context of the passage, man, it talks about our relationships to one another. It talks about how we view, how we care, how we see one another. And it, it's it's weary to do that. It's weary to be good and do the right thing. So I just, it's a good challenge and a reminder for me. I think it's funny to me, the one that stands out is bear one another's burdens and mm-hmm. so fulfill the law of Christ, which I think it's interesting that um, he's, he's using that word and I'm sure it's intentional. It's Paul. Yeah. So... Um, the idea that the law of Christ is, is, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Um, Did I learn something new about that phrase today? Let's hear it. Or not the today, but this week, that Jesus added mind. It wasn't in the original oh. Old Testament that he was quoting. He added mind. So anyways, I that could be a different conversation for a different time. So. There you go. Um, I'm just going to read this because I think it's, it's, it's kind of a good wrap up, I think, to the whole book. I don't know if you have anything else to say, but I'm just going to read it from... Uh, the New Testament or the, what is it? The, I forget the name New Testament in its world. In its world. But this is from N.T. Wright's book um, that is fairly new and recent, but this is just talking about the introduction to uh, Galatians. So I'm going to read a few sentences here, maybe a paragraph. Uh, and then, cause I think the line that it hits is, is big, but it says this in brief, Paul writes this letter to Galatians uh, after learning that certain agitators and intruders have gained a foothold in these churches, urging the male Gentile believers to be circumcised. We already hit that a little bit. The intruders are effectively trying to bring the Galatians into a closer relationship with the Jewish world in general and with the Jewish culture, church in particular. Paul's animated response is that this not only constitutes a betrayal of the agreement that he reached with the pillar apostles in Jerusalem, it is also a flagrant departure from the truth of the gospel. Paul insists that you do not have to become physically Jewish in order to belong to the Messiah's family and that if you do if you try to do so you are denying the crucified and risen messiah himself and i love this line god saves gentiles by making them messiah people not by making them jews and then nt rice says a paradox of course but it's precisely the paradox of the crucified and risen messiah at the end of the at the end of all of it even as i'm reading and we just read through galatians 6 and just recap the book kind of quickly it's that challenge and reminder for me even i highlighted that in my book like as much as i could that one line God does not save people to make them like us. He saves them to make them Messiah people. And my tendency at times expect you to be the way and think the way I think and be, but the, the complete opposite is true. Am I thinking and becoming like Christ? Because that's the standard and that's what I'm being invited into. So I love that quote. I love that introduction piece to the book of Galatians. I was going to read it earlier, but I was like, no, it's a good wrap up, I think. So I'm just going to read it at the end. So, so no, those are my I, thoughts. I thought that was great. I love, I love the line. Um, God saves not by making them Jews, but by making them Christ people. Yeah. I'm, probably, I'm sure I messed it up a little no, bit. No, that's I mean, He but, says Messiah, but same thing. Messiah people. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so true. And I can't think of a better place that's to wrap Galatians. it up this week. Unfortunately, we didn't make it to 36. That's We're just okay. at 30, 36 though. Well, there you go. Oh, I had it backwards. 36, 30, 36, not 36, 30. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but before we sign off, uh, if you could do us a favor, uh, leave us a five-star review. It just helps to grow the podcast community and get it out there to more yeah. people. And it, you know, it just helps us out as well. Um, if you leave a one star, just a side note, leave a comment. Why? We would love true. to know why it's a one star, not just someone put a one star. So unless you I'm, not, I'm not angry or biased or offended or anything. It's just, we like to know, cause we want to, we want to continue to get better to reach people. Absolutely. Um, and then finally, just as a quick reminder, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. Uh, you can check out all of our other resources and our other podcasts on our website at grove.church. Have a great day.